This is Jesse Hensley. This is Josh Turner. And this is Chris Bow. Welcome to Turn Down for What. Welcome back to Turn Down for What. Another another week and another uh, fun episode for you. So today we have Jesse Hensley back in action. Uh, we have the wonderful Chris Bow. Uh, hey and today we have the uh, unique opportunity to speak to Ben. Uh, where are you located, Ben? Uh, hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, my name is Ben Westby. I live in rural Colorado, um, just a little bit north of Glenwood Springs, for those who are familiar with the area, but I'm on the western slope. So I'm about a, uh, on a good day, I'm at about a three hour drive from Denver. Awesome. And so, uh, yeah, we, uh, we have the crew together and, uh, we wanted to spend today's episode to kind of have a unique discussion around some of the interesting use cases that we can uh, get and kind of the multi-purposeness of an electric vehicle. Um, ben, you own a Lightning. Can you tell us what type of Lightning it is, like the model and uh, trim mm-hmm. and what um, when you obtained it? Absolutely. So I picked up uh, the truck on November 17th. Uh, it is a standard range pack. It's the XLT trim. It's got the antimatter blue. I think it's it's pretty great. Back in August, uh, Ford had reopened the order banks for the pro trim. And so I dived in as soon as I could to get an order in through my local dealership in Glenwood Springs. Um, but However, I kept getting some emails that uh, production was just going to be a little bit delayed. And uh, there's a brand new program here in Colorado. Um, it's kind of like a cash for clunkers. And so you can apply to be in this program. And basically the state of Colorado will take a 10 year old or older ICE vehicle and give you a $6,000 voucher to deduct the point of sale at the dealership. Um, and so the particular dealership that I was working with hadn't yet been authorized for that program because the dealer has to get authorized through that. Um, and there happened to have been a dealership about four hours away from me that uh, just received this XLT. They were part of the program um, and they were trying to clear out the uh, the 2023 inventory. So they offered me uh, $4,000 in dealer discounts. I had this new program that I was a part of. Colorado, outside of that program, offers $5,000 as a tax rebate during tax season. And then uh, because I'm an elementary school teacher, most of my summers, mo- many of the breaks that I have from teaching, I'm usually doing 1099 work or some sort of con- like independent contracting work. So I usually can take advantage of most of the federal credit that is available at tax time. Um, so at the end of the day, um, I was able to get an XLT Lightning standard range uh, with $23,000 worth of incentives deducted from the price of the truck. That's awesome. Wow. <laughs> only, yeah. minorly je- only minorly jealous there. <laughs> well, we were, uh, I'm, I hate that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and do you, Ben, do you still get, because Colorado also has like a $5,000 state incentive too, right? Yeah, so that's, federal... that's one of the ones I was mentioning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so you got the federal, federal, there's state, the cash for clunker program, wow. and then the dealer discounts. Amazing. And then at the time, I had a Tesla Model 3. I sold that on the private market. So out of my own pocket, the truck was $12,000, 500 bucks. Wow. 
Yeah. Winner. Winner all day, man. You're the so, type of person that shows up at a, a at a grocery store and walks out with seven thousand dollars worth of product. Jesse froze. <laughs> seven thousand dollars worth of product. Ta da! <laughs> we get. This is what we get from well, Jesse driving around. <laughs> Continue, well, Jesse. You know, seven seven thousand dollars of product. Continue. We didn't get the rest of the sentence. Oh, for the coupons that you trade in. Oh, You're the guy that has oh, all those yeah, coupons yeah. and you trade them in. I, I am a coupon clipper. That's true. But I mean, to be fair, I'm an elementary school teacher. I am the main breadwinner of the household. So I've got to be really smart with my budget. What do you mean? Hey. Uh, elementary school teachers get what? $200,000 a year in Colorado? Is that how much? <laughs> that's, that's, that, uh, that's that California money, man. My, my oh, wife's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My wife's a school teacher out here, and she does okay. Not 200000 okay, but it's uh, – I, I know – there was a time we were looking to move possibly to Arizona, possibly to Colorado. And mm -hmm. the reason we didn't pull the trigger for the couple job opportunities mm -hmm. I had was because the school teachers in those uh, states, it's a lot different yeah. than California. So yeah. good for you, man. Good for you for one, being a teacher, like, you know, as someone that's married to one, I, I know what that's like. And then um, just what a great deal you made, man. I'm just taking advantage of every Every incentive out there. I wish more states would have things like that. That's really awesome. You get you get a brand new truck for the equivalent of twelve thousand dollars. That's that's nothing to uh, complain about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I will I will say this when when I talk about it like on the internet with it, there are folks who are saying, well, you know that Tesla money could have been like other things. Like so, at the end of the day, like the truck without using the Tesla money was thirty seven thousand dollars, but. For me, it's just, you know, the budget that I sold the Tesla, that money was in a vehicle. Yeah. So I'm going to put that money back into a vehicle. So, you know, yeah. So after using, you know, that money for that, for that purpose, yeah, it was 12,000 bucks out of my pocket. And I mean, we've, we've discussed it on the podcast before. I mean, affordability wise that you can't go out and buy an XLT uh, gas truck right now and get it under 40,000. If you, if you wanted no. to, I mean, to get a four-wheel drive base XLT is going to cost you forty-five to fifty grand. So I mean, yeah, you got the 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 uniqueness and the savings of the Lightning long term, and obviously, as we're about to discuss, some of the unique use cases of it. Uh, add a discount for a brand new vehicle that you know there's there's not going to be an equivalent on the on the gas front. Um, so now that we've obviously hinted at it, tell us what you have done and what you are doing as far as the use of that uh lightning for sure um so to give a little bit of background my wife and i um are foster parents uh from garfield county so we do a lot of driving and so one of the reasons uh, for appointments doctor visits things like that for whenever a child comes into our home there's about four or five different kind of appointments that need to happen so on average we drive 25 to thirty thousand miles in a year um, and so switching to electric just mathematically uh, made a lot of sense, even even if an EV is a little bit more expensive than an ICE at the outset of purchase, this, this savings that are recouped after that. So one of the biggest reasons, first of all, to get an EV was just for all those gas price deductions and maintenance costs. And um, but uh, in the process of being foster parents, uh, we adopted two uh, bio sisters um, in that process. We were living in a small little town home here in town, about a mile away from my classroom. And uh, we really wanted to have an opportunity for our family to just really kind of 
become a family, build memories, do things together. Uh, so we wanted to raise our girls up on, on some land. But uh, here in Western Colorado, apparently living in the mountains is really expensive to buy a home. So <laughs> I think that's most people everywhere. But the the further the closest we could buy uh, land for our family um, was about 16 miles out of town um, up in a region called the Flat Tops. Um, and so we are inside a national forest and there's no utility. And so the home is completely off grid. We completely rely upon solar panels. Uh, if we have uh, the last two weeks, we had some really cloudy days. And so normally we'd be hooked up into a propane generator. And then at nighttime, we run off of a battery storage system. The first year that we moved there, uh, we were living off of flooded lead acid batteries. And uh, those type of batteries, if anyone's familiar with like marine batteries, uh, you can only get down to about a 50% charge state. And then it has to basically be shut off or else you're going to damage the batteries. Uh, and so we were living off about 4,000 watts for nighttime use. And when we get into this time of year, that's that's a really big challenge for a family of four. Um, yeah. So for one thing, we were teaching our kids how to be uh, you know, mindful of what it is that we use. Um, we have a domestic well, so we have our own water source. Um, you know, we we cut and split our own wood for our heat. We have a wood stove as our heat source. So there's a lot of things that as a family we have to do together uh, just to make just living comfortably work. Um, but once Ford announced that they had the pro power capabilities in the the lightnings, um, being able to generate 9,600 watts of power was very, very tempting. But at the time, I had a, um, a cyber truck order. And I was always like, well, maybe, maybe like, you know, the cyber truck <laughs> coming out in a year. It sounds like it's going to be coming out in a year. It sounds like it's going to be coming out pretty soon. <laughs> I placed, I placed the, uh, an order for a rear-wheel drive cyber truck back when we were still living in town. Um, and now that we live, you know, 16 miles outside of town, 3,000 feet higher than what town is at, deep in a national forest, we need all-wheel drive. Last year, we had about nine feet total of snowpack. Uh, it looked like I put some photos out on on my uh, Twitter account, my X account. I don't know what we're supposed to call it these days. Yeah. Um, Nobody knows. No, no, one, no one in my physical world environment is on it. So I have no one to talk to about being on Twitter or anything. So I'm like, hey, are you on Twitter or X? And I just, it's just, I'm just on it. Um, but I have photos. We have a, we had a, we had a 2010 Ford Flex, and I had a picture of the driveway where the snow is a couple feet higher than the Ford Flex. Um, it just felt like you're on a luge heading into town. Um, and so all-wheel drive was pretty much a requirement for us. And so I knew that that Cybertruck order that I made was going to have to be altered in some way. But then off realizing that for one, it's going to be a hundred thousand dollars. And for two, by the time they get to the real drive version, it's going to be a couple of years down the line. And we're now living in a place where we need a truck now. Um, I, I started pursuing a lightning and that was probably six to eight months ago. And it's just call, like, it was just calling dealerships, calling dealerships, calling dealerships. Do you have anything on the lot? Do you have anything on the lot? Um, and the, the fruit of that was that I was able like in this time of year, I had a, a couple of people call me back, especially about that XLT that we purchased. Um, but a requirement 
for for myself personally was that it would have the pro power um because it has that 240 volt um out uh plug and we have a 240 volt outlet wire that can wire into our generators transfer switch um and so then that allows us to completely um drop our propane generator as a backup power source and i don't know if you guys you know have propane at your home but it's expensive it's we have a thousand yeah. gallon propane tank and it's about two thousand three hundred bucks to fill that sucker up um yeah it was so one of the big us, one of the big sorry, things i loved but, yeah when i was when i was just seeing your post in your story it was like a kindred spirit you know from the from everything you know i i had out here in california it's a different scenario i'm not living on a mountaintop but we would have the rolling blackouts and the power safety mm -hmm. shutoffs and all these things that were happening from our utility and so i went and bought a propane backup generator and that's what that's what i was running at the house and then same exact scenario. I'd ordered the Cybertruck. I've I've got the the single motor rear real wheel drive. It's not going to be available till twenty five. Um, and not at the I, price that they advertised. Not at the price, right? We're, well, we're, we've been talking about like budget. You know, classroom yeah. teacher. I'm trying to be smart with my money. Thirty nine thousand bucks, and I've got a Colorado incentive. That's that's affordable. Yeah, not not, not where it's at now. And California has got some smaller incentives. I didn't, I didn't get, you know, 5,000 or any of that kind of stuff, but we had like, I got 2,500 out of the state of California. I traded in an old minivan. I mean, very similar stories and, and just to kind of see what you've done with it and how, and that pro power for me was the game changer. That was the real mm -hmm. big difference maker was that, that pro power being able to plug it in straight to the house using my existing connection um, was just a, a game changer for me. And then you took that. And I also have just the standard range. Um, I'm not, I'm not balling out like, like Joss and Jesse <laughs> with their, right. It's um, but it's, I love hearing it because it's, it's so functional. It's so useful. It's, yeah. it's affordable. And I just think the, the whole story of it, man, is next level. And what I really appreciate is I'm a big advocate of, um, trying to convince people that are in my orbit that are kind of of a conservative mm. bent, who who maybe um just for whatever reason when you look at the stats there there's not there's a lot of conservatives out there who uh, kind of recoil they don't want to be told by the government what to drive, but I mean you're talking everything you're talking about right now right is is liberty it's freedom it's independence mm -hmm. it's it's the ability to do all the things living off the land cutting your own wood out in the national forest, um, off the grid. I mean, this stuff should just resonate with so many people. Mm -hmm. And so I love like circulating that story of the EV that it's not just the, the, the California and Florida's and Texas and upper, uh, upper Northeastern kind of corridor that, that can use an EV. It's, it's useful out in Colorado. It's useful out mm -hmm. in Tennessee. It's useful in these areas. Um, and then you've even, if I understand right, you even got like a little bit of a farmland. Like I think you towed yeah. a tree. Like tell us about that. Like yeah. The... So one of my one of my favorite things that I did the day after I bought the truck and got home, uh, we went to our local feedlot uh, to get some chicken feed. We have chickens, we have goats. Um, in the summertime, we've got about two thousand free ranging sheep that come up to our property. Um, so we have this land lease agreement with some local ranchers. So um, our our property is technically labeled as agricultural status because uh, we we let we lend out our land for free ranging um, herds, but we still have some of our own animals as well. 
And I went the next day, I went straight to the feedlot, popped open the trunk because they, one of their, one of their things that they like to serve, serve people come and show up. And so they, they, they load your truck for you. And so oh, I'm the, I'm the blue F-150 over there, popped the, the trunk open. And they're like, uh, <laughs> what is this? And I'm like, oh yeah, just put the feed inside the, that front trunk. We call it a front. And they just, they're putting it in there and just like looking at it. And they're like, what? And then they notice the outlets in the front. And then I'm like, oh yeah. And we're going to, we're going to get some, you know, some bales of hay too. And, and so as they're loading it up, I'm talking about the, the pro power that's on there. And I was like, yeah, it's just an F-150. It's just electric. And, and it was just like, it just blew their mind that, you know, uh, you know, a pickup truck could be electric and that it could work out. Um, you know, at the local grocery store, somebody, I had the front open. I use my front every day. I think that store space is awesome. Um, and, and so we, we use it for grocery shopping, for feed, all that other stuff. And I had somebody come up to me and ask me if I needed help. And I'm like, I can't find my engine. It like fell out on the interstate. Why? There's no engine in here. Where did it go? And it, the, the guy just looked at me like, this thing's electric, isn't it? Like he was not, he was not taking the joke. He was just like, whatever. Okay, fine. I just stopped the help. <laughs> but it's just, it, it, this thing has so much utility to it. For so, now, even if I wasn't living off grid, just having a family, um, you know, our, our backpacks, our scooters, uh, our animals that we have. My wife um, has, uh, works from home. We have Starlink. Um, and so that allowed her to be able to work from home, but there's just like, there's so many things that we, we pack into that truck that doesn't have to go into the cabin and the cab that, that super cab is already so spacious and our girls are now becoming preteens, you know, they're getting, they're getting taller and bigger and they, they come with more, like, you know, they're not in car seats anymore, but their stuff is just getting bigger and, and more, you know, they love using the outlets. And so, um, you know, we come up to our house, I, I plug, you know, I can plug it in when the sun goes down and uh, each of our girls can have a space heater running for a couple hours in their bedroom, get their, get their bedroom at a comfortable temperature. Cause our only, our only main source of heat is a wood stove. And that, you know, takes time to heat up the whole house, especially if we've been gone all day. Um, the zone lighting for us has been really huge because we're deep inside a national forest. There's no utility. We have no street lights. It is pitch black. And so one of my favorite things actually is like, it's like this super underrated feature, but the zone lighting, um, just having all the LED lights on and bright um, really makes it a game changer for us to be able to navigate walking around our property at night, um, being able to put animals away uh, and not having to turn on, um, you know, or carry flashlights and things. And so that's been really helpful for us, especially as it's been just getting darker and darker uh, as we get closer to the winter, but I mean, this truck just has so many features. It just makes living off grid a little bit more comfortable. Um, and you know, people are like, well, you know, off grid is supposed to be rough and hardy and tumble. It's like, well, when you got a family of four and three of them are, are ladies, you know, you, you got, there's some level of comfort you got to build in there. You can't just be a, a rugged mountain man the whole time you're up there. But, um, it also just makes the longevity of our ability to be up there, you know, like, um, being able to power our house and be able to uh, use a lot of appliances or utilities in the dark when uh, you know we don't have to rely on actually just pulling from our battery bank from our house. You know, my wife can feel like she can cook a big meal when the sun goes down instead of having to do a bunch of things while the sun is up. 
And, um, and so it just kind of made our, our comfort level of life just a little bit that much better um, for us to be able to just do winter up here three, three seasons out of the year. It's usually not much of a problem, but solving for winter living off grid had been something we've been working on the last couple of years. And this has really changed the game for that. Yeah. I mean, having 98 kilowatt hours of, of battery yes. available for discharge. I mean, that's very reliable to hold you through at least a night session um, and, oh, you know, yeah. re refueling during the daytime with solar and other other instances. But that's one of those things that, you know, all of us, all three of us, you know, uh, outside of you all have lightnings as well. And, you know, we all love our trucks for different reasons, but, you know, none of us are off grid. Uh, we had a guest a couple of weeks ago that he uses his battery pack to charge his uh, vehicles because charging publicly, you know, made sense. And so he brought it home and charged his e-scooter with it and uh, his, mm -hmm. he charged his inflatables and other house, like other parts of his house with it. But, you know, for me, it made sense because gas savings and, you know, all the, the oh, traditional yeah. things and the frunk is great, but the off-grid use case is something that, you know, obviously it's, it's a part of it, but, you mm -hmm. know, it's one of those things that with your truck, even with the small battery pack not not the extended range the standard range you still have a hundred kilowatt hours of you know, storage available to output into your life you know especially being the fact that you're completely detached from the grid um it's a very interesting use case to be able to actually go out and power your house because i mean most houses don't even use 100 kilowatts in a day uh, unless it's really cold and you're using a lot of heat source but that's one of those things that, I mean, you can run your house uh, off of that. Um, obviously, you have your inverter switch. Do you have any intention of actually installing um, the direct connect, uh, uh, like the, uh, what's that home system called? Home integration, the, home integration system so, from Sunrun. Or do you intend just to keep it with what you have with the cords? You know, if it's not broke, don't fix it kind of thing if it works and i think also just that i think that home integration system is, is really expensive um, it really is yeah i think it's like ten thirteen thousand dollars yeah something like that I and mean, that's a, that's how much like a power a tesla power wall is um now i i think for right now it's okay i i i've um contemplated making something a little bit nicer um as like a like a aesthetic layout but it's it's also one of those things where like they, <sighs> It doesn't have to look pretty to be function like functionality over with aesthetics. So, do you charge your truck primarily from your solar during the day, or do you charge it no, in town? So I charge in town. So I'm a classroom teacher. So I'm during the work week. I'm I'm here at you know Monday through uh, Friday, and um, there's a public charger, a five minute walk from my classroom, and then I'm actually currently working with the school district to install public chargers at each campus within the school district. A lot of staff members have gotten plug-in hybrids or have switched to EVs, and so have a lot of student families. Um, when I drop, when I go to the parent drop-off and pick-up loop to, to bring kids there, bring them back to my classroom, um, each year, more and more families are buying EVs. You know, families come here for, you know, recitals, for assemblies, uh, we also, our campus is also the trailhead for several um, biking and hiking trails that go out into the mountains. And it's kind of a perk of li living in a Colorado area as our, our school actually has trails. 
Um, but people are here for hours at a time, you know, and that's level two charging would be perfect for, you know, a, a student family or for our teacher to come on up and get some charging uh, while at work. But yeah, there's there's some charging here in town that I use um, and it's it's paid charging, but it's still cheaper. It's about the rate of the utility that was at my uh, town home here in town. So it hasn't been really that expensive at all. I think I'm operating at like three cents per mile in terms of like charging costs. Um, but and yeah, that really, so be, because you're at the top of that that mountain and you can regen. really use regen, right? You can use a yeah. ton of that power. You can get it really low. And have you, when you leave the top and you get to the bottom, do you end up at the bottom more charged yeah. than when you left? Mm -hmm. What's, yeah, yeah what's so, that look like for you? So today, so I'm in my classroom right now. So we, we came down, there's a there's an event happening in town that my wife has taken her girls to. But uh, it's today is one of our warmest days that we've had in weeks. It's definitely the warmest day since I've had the truck. We were, um, our efficiency was 37 miles per kilowatt hour coming awesome. down the mountain. <laughs> and um, the truck, I, I mean, so my my commute's a little extreme. So I had I gained three thousand feet going home on sixteen miles of switchbacks on gravel road in a national forest. So going home, um, I'm I'm lucky if I get like one point one mile per kilowatt hour going up, but the inverse, like I come back down and I I can probably regain five to eight percent coming down, um, and. There was a one instance when we owned a Tesla, and my wife wasn't quite paying attention to how much charge the battery was on, drove on up. And this is something else I wanted to mention about the Lightning versus the Tesla that I've experienced. But the, the Tesla actively uses energy to uh, use that thermal management system. And so we you could pull up with the Tesla like 30%, but then the next morning it's down to like 21% because it was just using energy to keep itself warm and one time my wife came up and i woke up the next morning and the tesla is at zero percent at our house and i i was looking at my kids and like get blankets there's no heaters we're not running any heat like I, and we we coasted down a bit and by the time i got to town i went from zero percent to twelve percent so as we, as we started getting closer to the school, I'm like, okay, now we can turn on the heat. Now I know we're going to make it. We're going to do it. But that, that first, that was like the first time I've ever seen my car at 0%. And because overnight, it was just, my wife pulled up and it was like 8 or 9%, but it had consumed that overnight. The interesting thing about the lightning is that um, you know, it's been, it sits overnight. It's unplugged. Um, we have an unfinished De uh, detached garage and I just I haven't been storing it in there the truck doesn't seem so far to lose capacity overnight in the winter cold what does happen is it has a power reduction in the motors um, and so that's something that I've been noticing that's kind of a difference when we parked our Tesla I was I was charging our Tesla like every other day because we had a, we had the standard range model 3 wheel drive um, and so that was a, as a 50 kilowatt pack and that thing just, you know, you drive up and it's consuming eight or 9% overnight just to keep itself warm, but you had full power going down with the lightning. It's, I, I know I, if I pull up and I 
park at the house at like 37%, when I wake up the next morning and if I didn't use Pro Power, it's going to be at 37%. But I might have a uh, a 60% output on the motors rather than a full 100%. So it's it's really interesting to see how different manufacturers try and handle how their vehicles um, try and dispense energy or where energy loss occurs. Um, and so I I feel pretty good knowing that I can drive up on a low percent and it's not going to ne the next day really affect the battery, but it is going to affect the performance as I head down. So that's been pretty interesting to see. But when you're coasting, you don't really. Yeah. When you're coasting, you don't really need power. Right. Um, but that's one of those things. I mean, obviously, I think the newer Ford F one fifty Lightnings will have the heat pump system. I'm curious yeah. to see how that affects uh, the battery pack in your type of situation. Um, obviously, yeah. there's an element to keeping the battery warm that helps you with range uh, when it comes to those things. But in your situation, it's honestly better that you have it to where. You just have a performance decrease and and are able to keep mm -hmm. the state of charge, um, yeah. but that's that that's obviously an interesting uh, you know point when it comes to actually protecting the longevity of the battery compared to the the Tesla option. Yeah, and that's that's really the great thing about like having these conversations is learning that these different EVs and vehicles have almost like a little personality to them. Yeah, and finding the one that fits how you're going to use it and what you need. And that's where I love the diversity of products that are out there, all the different types that are available. And mm -hmm. there's the more we can do that and the more that we can have that kind of um, united idea of, of EVs not being the enemy of each other. You know, it, it's, uh, it, it's one of those things where I love that you've had a Tesla, you've had a Ford and each one had their, their differences to them. And mm -hmm. when your lifestyle changed, your vehicle need changed. And here you are now with a, a scenario where it, this is a much better fit. Whereas before, maybe the other one was the better fit. And it just depends right. on what you're doing. So sharing the stories like this is just phenomenal. Well, and one thing that really helped us be confident in this decision was when Jim Farley announced that Ford was going to be integrating the NACS. Yeah. yeah. And, yep. um, you know, the, the fascinating thing that, that Tesla has done is that Colorado was one of those first states that started adapting the Magic Dot connector on the supercharger. Yeah. Now, I know there's some other states that did it as well, but um, in my region of western Colorado, there are two V3 superchargers. They're not, they're not in my immediate region, but um, in the western Colorado EV club, there are some members in the town of Montrose. And that town has a V3 supercharger that went up about a year and a half ago, and that got adapted to a V3. And, and on Monday, I'm actually going to be taking my girls on a daddy-daughter date because we aren't we aren't in school. My wife still has to work. But Moab, um, you know, that really famous area for off-roading and just desert adventuring. Yeah. Moab is about a three-hour drive from my house. And the V3 supercharger in Moab got adapted to the Magic Dock. So I was going to take my girls down to Moab, just do a little day trip. But then also I wanted to experience the, how the magic dock works. And uh, I hope it works because there are no other CCS options in Moab. Uh, they had an old charge point 250 that, uh, that basically died. And the utility company was like, we're not going to replace this. And so Tesla uh, adapted their V3 supercharger. So they are the only CCS game in town. Which is going to be pretty interesting, but um, you, you know, know what it sounds like Tesla. you need. 
Go ahead, Josh. I was like, you know what it sounds like you need? What? Jesse. What do you, what do you think he needs, Jesse? Don't bring me into this. You're the one that interrupted Chris. <laughs> go ahead and go <laughs> ahead and make your point. You need a you need a power up America charger in your area, is what I'm saying. There you go. <laughs> Actually do. Yeah. <laughs> NACS and CCS on both. Both on both one one on one side, one on the other. So yeah, and we can yeah. also we can also do level two charging. So if you need that for your school system, we can we can help. But anyways, keep going. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, you know the other things like every a lot of people I talk to about the range on on the standard range XLT is like oh you can only do like maybe two hundred forty miles you know, and, but I'm I'm used to having that type of distance with a standard range Tesla, um, and. Uh, to be honest, as a fam- as a young family, um, that type of driving distance does not bother me because, first of all, day to day, it does not matter. It's just whether or not I have a bigger battery for powering my house, but my commute's only 16 miles uh, one way. And I'm usually charging, and then I, cu- I go home with a, a pretty full pack. So it doesn't really bother me. It's just more like doing the long-distance driving. But, for instance, this trip to Moab um, doesn't electrify America halfway there. Um, and so, you know, even if I have to leave my house um, at an 80 or 70 percent charge, I'm going to be able to stop and electrify America. But with my kids, I don't know if, if you guys have, have young children, but, you know, you're stopping every two to three hours. It does not matter whether you're driving gas or EV. And I don't know if you have significant others, but my wife's bladder is the size of a pea. And it does not matter. It does not matter what EV we're in. Our bladders never outlast the range of an EV pack. So, you know, I know there's all these diesel bros out there. It's like, it's got to go 500 miles and you got to be able to go doing it while you're towing. I'm just like, I, I don't know. My, for my family, it works just fine. We drive two or two and a half hours. We stretch our legs for 20, 30 minutes. It's perfect. So yeah, it's exactly um, what I've experienced out here is, um, you know, I can get from, from here um, to our state capital, Sacramento and down to Monterey. And that's the kind of my round trip yeah. range. If I need to go further than that, um, it's exactly what you're talking about. My wife, the kids, you know, I got an eight-year-old and nine-year-old, mm-hmm. you know, we're stopping for lunch anyway. We're stopping for the bathroom anyway. Yeah. So, you know, here to Southern yeah. California, um, there's a couple spots on the I-5 where, where we just, we stop and we get, we get lunch and then we stop before we hit what's called the grapevine out here, which is a really mm-hmm. tall mountain range between kind of Bakersfield and Los Angeles. And um, those stops are going to have to happen happen anyway so i'm not i'm not a pee in a bottle kind of guy and drive for eight hours and uh i don't think my wife would appreciate that at all so no it's 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 exactly what you, what you say and so you're gonna you're gonna be able to go from your house to an electrify america and then what 80 percent there will get you to moab and then at the supercharger with the magic dock you'll yeah. be able to get back to that ea at 80 yeah. percent because you're only gonna do 80 percent right you know 90 well, i guess and well the other thing is i'm I, I'm still learning the XLT in a lot of ways. So when I left the dealership, that was about four hours away from me, that the dealership to my town, not my house, but my town is about 215 miles. Um, and so I've got two towns in between me that have an electrify or, or, or have a good CCS charging. There's Glenwood Springs and they have an electrify America. And then there's Rifle Colorado, and they have a, a 200 kilowatt output charge point um, at a come and go gas station. 
Um, that's what, that's what it's called around here. I don't know why it's named that way, but that's what I've it heard is. of them. Yeah, yeah. So I've um, heard of them too. I, I'm basically smack in between both towns, and so from the dealership to the Glenwood Springs Electrify America was 215 miles. And it's right I, on the edge. That's on I the edge ma- of your. I had 12 percent remaining on the path. Wow. Now I had to. I went up two mountain passes, so you know I'm doing a lot of consumption getting up uh, Vail Pass and Eisenhower Tunnel, but I'm also regenning almost all of what I recoup yeah. back into the pack, heading back down, and then from Vail Pass to Glenwood Springs, it's all downhill. So the efficiency is, you know, heading west is phenomenal. And so I left from Loveland, Colorado, which is about four hours away, and got all the way to Glenwood Springs uh, on with 12% remaining on the pack. So like the real world range for me driving the mountains in the winter is pretty much what the EPA rated range is. And when I was driving our Tesla and I I sold it with about almost 90,000 miles on the pack. And I think once or twice have I ever went above 200 miles on that standard range pack. Even though on the website at the time it was advertised 240, 250, something like that. So I think, I, a, I, have... I think it's a lot of what you talk about too, though. It's the way, um, and I know in Rivian's case, uh, and then they've gotten better. They have the vampire drain mm-hmm. that kind of takes some stuff away yeah. with, with the Tesla is actively managing the the mm-hmm. battery pack. And um, in, in your case with the cold, um, out here in California, I have a buddy that. Um, is in a Model Y, and he lives in the in the Central Valley where it gets really hot, like in mm-hmm. 112. And he had the kind of that wake up moment you did, where he parked his car, and it was actively cooling the battery. And even mm-hmm. there's a setting on the Tesla you might have used. I I don't know if it works both ways, heat and cold, where it would actually, if the temperature in the cabin of the car it, got above exceeded a certain number, yeah, it would it yeah will. it would cool it. Yeah. So you, woke can, up. you can disable that, but then it'll warn you that it could like, like hurt the computer that's right inside the car. But, but he got um, he got a tent for it. He got like a tent for it and disabled it because it was oh. just killing. Um, you know, it was just killing his battery when it was sitting out there, and yeah. so he didn't have a garage he could put it in. So he put like one of those tents to help kind yeah. of cool it a bit. But that is exactly what you're talking about. Just uh, so you might active, you know, in reality, only get 200 miles or less out of the Tesla because it's actively trying to do so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so part of that is definitely part of that driver experience that, that you've had. Yeah. I, well, think, the- I think in general, I think in general, like we're discussing, I mean, every vehicle has its different use case and standard range and extended range batteries for different people. In most Americans' use case, and this was my argument that I've, you know, I've, I've made, was most Americans, they go and commute to work 99% of the year. And so the question is, for the size of your battery pack, what, you know, how many trips a year do you take that you actually need to use range? And the reality is, is do you care to stop and stretch your legs for 15 minutes every two hours, three hours of driving? Um, and if you really your goal is to drive 400 miles without uh, stretching your legs, then good on you. But I mean, the average person, I mean, like you said, I mean, I've never been with young kids to a rest stop that's not taking 25 minutes uh, when it comes to getting everybody out of the car, restrooms, yeah. walked around and all that. Um, but that's one of those things. Obviously, range plays a factor, but really the average person never really needs it. Um, right. You know, my wife. She drives a minivan. Now I'm trying to get her into a, a, a 
an electric vehicle. Uh, but she's, you know, has like, well, what, what? We're both EVs then. What? What then? And I'm like, hey, you, you pick up the kids from school every day. You drive to the grocery store, and maybe one time a year we take it on a road trip. And I mean, if you're saving eight thousand dollars a year on gas, and you know, oh, we have to stop one extra time for twenty minutes on a road trip to the beach or whatever. It's like that's not the end of the world. Now, if you're somebody that tows boats from Tennessee to Colorado back and forth all the time, maybe an EV truck is not for you. Maybe yeah. you should stick with your gas powered or hybrid or something like that to, to make sense. But the average person's not towing hundreds of miles no. and traveling hundreds of miles, five times a month. Uh, Jesse and I have gotten to really uh, wear out and test out the extended rangeness of our batteries because we've been traveling a lot for power up and, and so, I mean, we get to use the charging infrastructure, which is what it is for now. Uh, but, you know, we get to, we get to, we have to maximize battery usage and uh, drive hours and hours. I mean, Jesse's mm-hmm. been driving twice a week, six hours north, six hours south, dealing with the, mm-hmm. the charging network. And so, there's, in that use case, yeah. extended range makes sense because yeah, his just- trip would take two hours longer twice a week i mean that does make a difference but for the average person who takes a, yeah. a road trip once a year definitely something that like it, it's it, it's just everybody has different use cases and i would never tell in my opinion me personally i would never tell that person that needs to haul trailers long distances in evs right for you not until that tech improves and ranges is up there um but yeah. for the average the average american 95 percent of the population there's there's a different product for everything and something that could be a good fit for you so well and the interesting thing too is like on a long distance road trip it's really just that initial charge that really makes a difference because i get a typical evs charge curve as most of your listeners may know is like the the lower your pack is when you pull into a charger the better peak rate you're going to be getting and the better um charging curve you're going to experience so uh, an extended range pack is benefit is really huge on that first leg because you're going to be yeah. able to maybe skip a charger that the standard range couldn't have. That's but, great point. but once you get yep. past that, everyone's doing that charger hop because you're trying to get that peak rate and just maximizing the efficiency of your charging. We we drove the I mean, typically by the time we get to March, my whole family, we're just taking tired of winter because winter goes all the way through April for us. So we try to go to San Diego for our spring break at the end of March. And we're going to, we're planning on doing that again this year. But when we do that in our standard range Tesla, you know, you'll, we could maybe make it to Green River, Utah, which is where there's a, there's a problematic EA there, but there's also a very old V2 supercharger there. So no matter what you're driving, everyone's experience at Green River, Utah is never great. But um, we once drove an all-wheel drive Tesla that had the long range. And we were easily able to make it to Green River with with um, money on the pack. But it just meant that we had a slower charging experience there because I didn't realize how, how much would still be on the pack when we got there. But ever after that, ever since that, that, that leg, we were hitting the same stops that we would have been hitting in our standard range pack because we were trying to maintain that peak efficiency in our charging. So that first leg was the only one where it really mattered. And outside of that, we we're still hitting the same chargers we had taken the year previously. So I'm curious um, what you 
curious what you experienced with the lightning because the although the peak charge isn't as high as the Tesla can get, the charge curve holds closer way into the pack. That surprised yeah. me. I was like, I was at like a seventy-two percent, and I was still holding like one hundred and thirty kilowatts. Yes, I was like, yeah. whoa, this is. I mean, it drops like a rock right. after eighty percent, but if you're needing to charge past eighty percent, like you you're going to be white knuckling it anyways. Um, but you know, I, one of the big things for me is I, I drive like a grandpa. I'm not a lead foot. So you're I'm the like opposite a per- of Jesse. I'm a perfect yes. candidate for driving a standard range pack because I'm going to be driving for, I, I, I'm an efficiency, like I'm not a hyper miler, but I love trying to see what I can get out of my pack. And so I, I did an experiment. So uh, during one one summer, I dedicated some time driving for Uber. And I would go to Grand Junction, which is about 70 miles away. I usually take somebody there. And there's a, a, a regional airport over there. And so one day I drove going five miles under the speed limit to get there. And I arrived with uh, like 20% more on my battery pack than when I went at the speed limit. And then when I, I did an, another uh, drive later that week where I went above the speed limit by five miles an hour, and it was like a, a, a huge hit on my on my range. But the, the difference in time was like eight minutes. If I went yeah. under the speed limit by five miles an hour, I got there eight minutes later than if I went like the actual speed limit. And so it's just like at the end of the uh-huh. day, I, I mean, it's. Speeding is great, you know. You feel like you're moving, but the the physics and reality of it's you're not really saving time, and you could have had twenty percent more in your pack. So <laughs> those are rookie numbers. We need to pump those numbers up. If you're not going <laughs> seventy or eighty miles over the limit, then you're just not doing it right. Just yeah, Jesse's the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, which is which is the beauty of the options, right? Because Jesse's doing he's he's getting to the speed limit quickly, as Josh likes to say, and and you're doing the long distance road warrior driving. So, yeah, you know what do you what are you getting, Jesse, on your um on your miles per kilowatt out when you're doing your road trips? So, um. I have done the same thing. I've I've traveled at um, 15 over the limit, 10 over the limit, 5 over the limit, and at limit. And at, at 15 on the interstate, that puts me at around 1.5 to 1.4. Um, that's, like ben, it, that's like Ben driving uphill. We got some guests. Got some guests on Jesse's truck I've today. I've got kids today. Yes, Good to see I you guys. Be the one to pick them up. So I've got see everybody ultimate, with me today. The ultimate family my, uh, vehicle. I, me, 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 and Jesse <laughs> have, have compared st- stats, though, and I'm curious, uh, Ben, what you end up getting. But I mean, my lifetime average in my truck, and it's a lot of highway miles, but my lifetime average is 2.3. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I mean, if you do the math, that's right at the three twenty range. A lot of around town, but a lot of highway. Yeah. Um, if I'm around town, I'm seeing probably two point five to three, just just regular up and downs, but not like steep hills. But highway, I'm averaging two to two point one uh, when I'm going seventy five ish on my range. Now Jesse, for some reason, he drives the same speed and gets like one point six, one point seven. I don't know how that works. <laughs> 
He gets there quicker. Uh, but, gets there quicker. <laughs> but yeah. have you taken it on a distance, uh, a distance endeavor? And what mm-hmm. what uh, efficiency are you seeing there? Yeah. So I on the odometer, I have about fifteen hundred miles. So it is still. I mean, it's still still breaking tough. it in. Still breaking it in. Um, my life. So I uh, my trip to um, I, and this is because I'm a, da- a, a data nerd. Like I that is going to be my lifetime. Um, just I trip two is just going to be the lifetime efficiency average right now that's sitting at 2.0 for 1500 miles, but I picked it up November 17. Like this thing has not seen a warm day. It has not seen anything but snow. So I, I know that that's going to change as we get into the warmer weather. My, my uh, trips down the mountain are going to be that much more extreme in terms of region and efficiency. When we drove a week ago to do some Christmas shopping in the town of Grand Junction, uh, it's like the big city for us. Uh, I was averaging 2.2 on the interstate going 75, but that's that. It's a I'm going from um town, which our elevation here is about almost 6,000 down to 4,000 feet at Grand Junction, and then coming back, I was getting about 1.8 coming back up that same elevation. But my house's yeah. elevation is 9,000 feet. So it's a it's a quite an extreme wow. gain to go from town up to my house. Well, and your numbers are going to be thrown off too because um, unfortunately it doesn't have, and hopefully in the future it'll have the ability to run the pro power without having the truck physically on, and maybe oh, that yeah. will, you know, I think that's yeah. coming in an over the air update sometime in the future. Um, yeah. But right now it's the truck has to physically be on, and I, and it doesn't have a way, and I don't know if in the future it will, but. It doesn't differentiate um, between generator power of pro power versus travel power. So, yeah, yeah so well, it throws off your numbers. Because so there, there's, there's that one feature um, on the main screen where you can kind of take a look at the lifetime yeah. energy usage. And so my trip to, you know, like 17% of my power has been to accessories, which I'm, I'm right. guessing is pro power. But my my truck is never going to show a high efficiency in transportation because it's always going it. it's always going to show that like pro power usage as a percentage of that. Yeah, so, I will tell you just as a disclosure, just so you can prepare yourself. My truck has reset itself on trip two about five different times with over the air updates, and I've never gotten yeah. over ten thousand miles. Interesting. Uh, so you trip two will likely at some point reset. I intended on trip two being my lifetime counter, um, but you know, I've it, it was up to almost ten thousand miles, two point three, and then it reset. I'm at uh, like almost thirty. Jesse's at like thirty five to forty on his truck. Thirty six. I've never gotten. I've never gotten over ten ten thousand with mine, but every time I pull up the longest trip, it's always around two point three on average. Okay. Yeah, my but, uh, and I, I have the have same it. thing. It resets I, for you when you get an update. Yeah, I did. Um, I did trip one was my my lifetime one, and then yeah, after after an update, it recently uh, reset on me, and so I'm still sitting around two point four, but two point four is um, that's taking into account now two seasons of I, I run some Christmas decorations at my house off of the mm-hmm. Pro Power. I have I have an inflatable that if if I'm along around town, I leave the inflatable up in the back <laughs> of my truck and the Christmas lights. And when I 
when I park it at work or uh, or a shopping center, I leave the inflatable up. So that's throwing, you know, my typical, if you were to take that, I wish there was a way for it. it typical week is closer to 2.7 because I do a lot yeah. of city and commute traffic. So it's, it's not uncommon for me to get about 270 out of it. And I've been as high as just under three. I'd like to hyper mile it and hit 300 just once. Um, but 2.7 is about my my yeah. norm, but the average shows 2.4, and it did it did reset on me a couple different mm-hmm. times. So I, if you if you are that data nerd, you maybe you kind of log them because it will reset at some point. Unfortunately, you get well, the you get the tell, EPA rating of 320. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. get the EPA rating of 320 on the extended range, but I mean that means that you're going to get more efficiency around town and less efficiency on the highway. I think it's technically rated, if I remember correctly, like for the extended range, 350 uh, city, and I think it's 270 highway, and they come up with the average rating of uh, yeah. 320. It's split flop compared to gas, uh, but that's one of those things. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, around town, my commute to work is is apparently more uphill. I, I didn't know that, but, I mean, it's more uphill because on average, on the way to work, I will see something like 2.1 on the way there. But on the way back, I'm getting like 4.5. And so if you took that average for that six, seven mile trek, you're going to you're gonna be at an average of almost four mm-hmm. plus when it comes to those things. So I'm getting, you know, 450 mile range when it comes to just straight commute to work and back. But when I start using the interstates and other throughways, and obviously, you know, the, the average uh, adjusts itself. But still, nonetheless, I mean, you're seeing some decent efficiencies with the stop and go um of around town driving it's what ben and josh were saying it's or uh, jesse was saying where it's that exponential every five miles it really does make a difference but it's Mm -hmm. funny how like you said you start to learn the topography of where you're driving and you realize if like this way is a little bit more downhill than that way and it's it's funny when you start to to be able to realize that and see that so the interesting thing in that efficiency stuff is that like i've been noticing that the truck will will pretty much hit what the EPA is saying that it should be hitting. But my poor gasometer, my range finder on the dash, that thing has no idea what we can do because of how extreme our elevation gains are and our losses yeah. in the cold temps. So, you know, I'll, I'll, <laughs> it's pull, confused. Up the, I'll pull up to the house and it maybe, you know, it consumed 1.1 miles per kilowatt hour to get up to the house, you know, and on the way back down, it will be like 30, but I'll pull up to the house and it'll be like 60%. And that poor range finder on the dash is going to say that I can do maybe 50 miles. And so um, the one thing that I've had to just really do is to trust my gut on the math. Now the eternal math, like, okay, if I'm driving 10 miles on the interstate and in those 10 miles, I've been hitting 2.2, then, you know, and I'm at like 70%, I can calculate what I got left on the tank. I can yeah. do that math. I can do that work. I think the hard thing is going to be when somebody who has not done an EV, like I've been driving EVs since 2019, somebody who's going to get an EV for the first time is going to see that, like if they if they drove my truck up my commute and then got got home and saw that it's only had 50 miles left at they freak out. They're going to freak out. And so yeah. I, I don't I don't know what the solution is. I it, other than experience. But um, I know, like, even in my own gut, I like I have to like tell myself, okay, no, no, it, I really can go about just like I have this many kilowatt hours in the pack, I'm going to be okay. 
But my brain sees that number and like has like this internal fight with itself about logic versus what I'm being told. Um, and yeah. I, I do, I do think that would be a hard thing for a new EV owner to be able to come to terms with. Ours is at least super easy being the standard range because at 98 kilowatts, pretty much 100, it makes the math really easy. If I'm doing 1.5, 1.7, I'm at 150, I'm at 170, I'm at yeah. 220. So it, it makes it easy in real time to look at that number. And if I continue doing what I'm doing right now, here's what I've got. Um, yeah. The standard range makes that a lot easier than the extended where you're at 130 and now I feel like I'm converting kilometers or something. Now I'm in, <laughs> now I'm like in the metric system. I'm like, ah, I can't yeah. can't deal with it. I'm not that I'm not that bright. There's yeah. plenty of times, though, that you're having to trust the percent more than the range just because of the driving yeah. habits, because, you know, yeah. that's that's one of those things that um, if you're. Especially coming like off towing, if you're if yeah. for your example, you're going uphill. Your truck thinks that your efficiency is one. So when you get back in the vehicle, it's going to say that you have 98 miles of, of range out of a full charge. And then on the way down, it's like, whoa, we can go 7,000 miles. Yeah. And so, I mean, well, it's, it's, that's just one of those things you have to you have to trust the percentages um, until it either learns or they can figure out an adjustment to kind of trust trust that mechanism. Yeah. Well, we well that, that anxiety that exists too is going to be going away soon for a lot of people, because like you're saying, you know, you can get to this EA station. It's 150 miles or 200 miles or 180 miles away, you know, under the Navy program, most interstate corridors are going to have a station at least every 50 miles in our state. They put it every 22 and a half to 30 miles on the Southern part of a corridor that goes across the state. So That's right now what you're up against you're you're not you're not going to care. Ooh, can I pucker and make it to this next one? You'll be like, oh, well, I am going to be running short here. I haven't ran efficiently because I drove like Jesse. I'm going to have to stop <laughs> at this one coming up in 20 miles instead of making it to the mm -hmm. 60 miles. So yeah. it's really going to open up the door for people to have more options. And you're going to know, hey, this one only charges me 40 cents, or this one charges 46. Let me go to that next one that goes to 30 cents or whatever. So there's definitely going to be some opportunity for creative marketing and solutions when it starts coming down to where you're wanting to stop. Yeah, well, that's the goal. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. care anymore. Yeah. Well, we are actually running short on this episode. Oh, sure. uh, we, yeah. We're out of time. It, it seems to be the weekly concern. We're in the middle of a, a heavy debate, but we cannot have a two-hour podcast, unfortunately. So uh, <laughs> what we will do is we'll put a pen Love on the conversation. And, and we will continue the conversation uh, sometime in the near future whenever we can get uh, you, Ben, back uh, on the podcast. But thank you so much for being with us today. We appreciate the insight and kind of the interesting use case of you know evs in general both specifically your xlt standard range and uh, excited to see another you know driver having an interesting use case and how it can obviously make your make your situation and your life easier for you and your family so yeah. such a great story well, it's an honor thank you for letting me be on here i'd be happy to be on here again to chat more like i said this coming monday i'm doing a, a little daddy daughter trip down to moab I'm going to give the magic doc a try it's the only ccs game in town you know i'd love to talk about that experience later on if you guys would be willing to have me on but um absolutely yeah thank you for coming i i my my wife always says i need to join a club or, or be a part of a, a broader community that's usually why I'm, I'm on twitter because uh i, I just talked her ear off of this and she's like you need to go find some friends to, to talk about this stuff 
<laughs> yeah, give, give your give your Twitter slash X handle so people that want to follow your adventures they can go and look at you know some of the pictures your Christmas tree pictures in the snow were epic. Uh, what's your Twitter ham- yeah. handle so people can join in the fun? Yeah, I'm at Jam and Westby, all one word. Um, you know, like when Gmail came out in the early 2000s, you made an email and you just kind of stuck with it. That's just what I did. So it's just the, it's the last five letters of Benjamin. So it's Jammin, Westby. Um, and, you know, I, I'm an adoptive foster parent. So I put stuff out about li- that life experience, but also just living off grid in general, being a teacher, um, driving EVs. Um, I'm an EV coach for uh, the state of Colorado. So sometimes I'll put some stuff out there. But yeah, people can follow me and see what it's like to live in an extreme situation and use an electric vehicle to do so. Absolutely. Well, everybody check out Ben on uh, X. You can also check us out at TDFW podcast. Uh, I'm excited to think about the initiative. TDFW podcast uh, on X as well. Uh, we post cool. our, some clips from our show and stuff like that. But follow along and uh, we'll tune in next week. Awesome. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. Great time, guys. Thank you all. Appreciate it.